Today, I just welcome you to Words of Life, uh, part two, and you can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19, and uh, last week we started talking about words of life, and in the words of life, what we talked about is that you, you, yes you, you (laughs) are made in the image of God. And in the image of God, this is what that means. You are a spirit. You were created as a spirit. You were given authority over the earth and in your life. And you are a spirit that speaks and creates with your words. You speak and create with your word the same way that God spoke and created and continues to speak and create. The same exact way that God does. He made you in his image and his likeness. And words that you say are very, very important. Uh, they are incredibly important. Matter of fact, uh, the word tells us that you'll be judged on those words that you speak. So, uh, you know, I, I can hear some people going, oh my, uh-oh. <laughs> but it's true. The words that you speak, God thinks that they're so important that there's a record of them. And he keeps a record of those words that you speak. And we're held accountable for every idle word. Well, we don't want idle words. And idle means basically the the words that don't produce. And we're talking about adding to the kingdom. If you speak words and they're not producing, then it's a problem. Even there's one verse that talks about coarse jesting. You know, not just jesting, but coarse jesting. It's saying, you know, somebody that's always picking on somebody and almost, you know, they'll make a joke that really kind of rubs somebody almost wrong. Uh, that can be wrong. Matter of fact, it is, you know, it's not something that we should be doing. It, God goes to that level that says, look, your words are important. And why are your words important? And it goes back to this. You have an authority on this earth. What you say is important because you are created in his image to carry out his will. And when you are created in his image to carry out his will, but you don't speak for the king, you're being not a bad, I mean, not a good citizen. You're being a citizen that needs uh, to line himself up as an ambassador of the kingdom. And so our words are very, very important. Let me ask you this. If I'm, if I'm a king and you are an ambassador and you go everywhere throughout uh, the kingdom, you go everywhere throughout your week, and you constantly are saying things that really don't represent boomerang, that don't represent the kingdom of God, is that somebody that I can promote and give more power to? No. But does God desire to give us more power and more authority? Well, parable after parable shows that. It shows that that God really looks to get, he wants to give you more authority. He wants to give you more power. He wants to set you over cities and, and rule over angels and all kinds of stuff. He wants to give you more power. So his heart is to lift you up. But if our words are idle, non-productive, then are you somebody that is qualifying yourself for promotion? No. You're disqualifying yourself. 
Not only that, I can promise you if your words are idle, your life is not where God wants it to be. It's not where he really desires for it to be. But why? Because your words lead to death or life. This verse here says this, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing of the curse. The blessing or the curse. And then it says, uh, so choose life. What I, what I love about this is, just in case you, know, you were wondering which one was good, you know, which one you should choose, God's like, oh, here, by the way, choose life. Choose life. And then he says, choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. And when you see the word live or life in a positive sense, we know uh, from John 10.10 10, that we are to live life to the full, in abundance, to the full till it overflows. So when he says choose life that you may live, he's not just saying choose it so that, you know, you'll stay alive and, you know, you might... You might have a little extra money or you might, you know, walk in a little bit of blessing. No, 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 no. God's like, choose life so that you may have life and it would be full and overflowing all everywhere. I mean, you just got life like she had the, the offering example where it's just full and overflowing in every area of life. That's the desire of the heart of God for you. But what does it say? Who has the responsibility here to walk in that and step in it. You do. You have to choose it. Now, I want to show you something here where it says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you. I think, I know for me, I had for a long time, I would read that scripture and it would say against me. Well, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't, uh, against me, you know, that I don't like the sound of that. Don't, don't look at it in a negative sense. Look at it like this. Think about this. If you were to compare one thing against another, what you're looking for is what kind of testimony are you giving, right? Now read this. We'll read it here in uh, the New Living. It says this. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now, I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. I call on heaven and earth to take notice to give, and also give a testimony about the choice that you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Think about it like this. Think about it. I call heaven and earth to witness against, to compare. You know, what choice did you make? What choice did you have in front of you? And which way did you go? Did you go with death or life? But it also says this, to give a witness. If you're a witness in a trial, then what you're going to do is you're going to give a testimony. You're going to give your side of it. You're going to testify about what happened. So what he's doing, what God is doing right here is he's saying, heaven and earth, listen to me. Heaven, listen. Earth, listen. Listen to me. God the creator, listen. Whatever they choose, you testify about it. Whatever they choose. If they choose life, testify to that life. In other words, if they make a choice for life, then what God is saying is life be. Amen. Same power that created the earth. 
If they're, if they're choosing death, then death be. Now, see, this is Old Testament here. And so this is before the righteousness of Christ. And so this is, this is where he's saying, look, you can choose either way. But when Jesus came, he made us the righteousness of God. He chose life for us. All we have to do is get in faith and believe God for those things, and life is already chosen for us. But we got to get in faith. Well, faith without works is dead. In other words, you can say you have faith all day long, but if my words don't line up with the life of God, am I really in faith? So I got life given to me. I got it paid for. I got it designed to run out of me and overflow and everything overflow to my friends and overflow to my family. I got life inside of me that's already chosen and paid for, but I need to get in faith about it. And how do I get in faith? How do I choose life? Let's turn to Proverbs 18, 21. Proverbs 18, 21 says, this, this is real funny, death and life, that's exactly what we're talking about, right? This is what we choose. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, how do I choose life and choose death? I choose it with my mouth. I make a choice with my mouth. The action of my faith is that I line up my words with the words of life. The action of my faith is that I line up my words with the word of God. That's the action. In other words, I can say I believe God all day long, I, I trust him, I love him, but if my mouth doesn't line up with what God says, do I really trust him? Do I really believe it? James 1.26 says, uh, the man who doesn't control his tongue doesn't control his mouth. His religion is worthless. This is exactly what it's talking about. In other words, I can, I can say it to people all day long, I believe God, but if life is not coming out of my mouth, if death is coming out or idleness is coming out of my, a neutral word is constantly coming out of my mouth, then I don't really believe God. I don't really believe that. And I'm certainly not stepping up in my calling as an ambassador. I, all of us, if you're born again, you're a minister of God, and you have a calling to be an ambassador. But if your lips are constantly uttering idle, neutral, or negative death stuff that's not the word of God, you're not being a good ambassador. And somewhere our love has got to rise up and say, you know what, I want to love God better than that. I want to love God to the best of my ability. I want to love God and be the best ambassador I can be, to be the best minister I can be as a child of God. I want to do that. That means at some point we're going to have to literally take the, the time to say, I've got to change the way I talk. I've got to change the words that are coming out of my mouth. Makes me think about a movie. Nobody understands the words that are coming out of your mouth. It's interesting if you back up just one verse, it says this. It says, and listen to this, with the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied. He will be satisfied 
with the product of his lips. Is anybody in here seeing lack in their life in any way, shape, or form? Not just money, uh, but lack in your health, lack in peace, lack in sleep. This is a direct thing that says you need to change the way you're talking about it. You need to change the way that you're talking about it. The words need to be words of life because what he's saying is you will see a direct effect in your physical life based off of what you're saying. Based off of what you're saying. Let's, let's look at uh, Proverbs 4, back up a few chapters. Well, well, what do I speak? And let me just say this. I promise you, you are speaking more death than what you think you are. I promise you. I promise you, you have much more idleness and death coming across your lips in the past than what you think you do. And we're going to talk about how do I change that later on. We're going to talk about what we can do to help change that. If, if you love God and you want to give love back to God, then you're going to say, Lord, what's important to you is important to me. And if my words are important, then let me clean that up and get it to the place. Now, I'm not just talking about cuss words now. I, I'm, I'm talking about stuff like, well, that just kills me. That, that's, I'd, I'd about rather hear you cuss than say that, you know. Well, I just, you know, I take one step forward and, and two steps back. I, I'd about rather honestly hear you say a four-letter word than say that. Why? Because that actually does more damage to you and the people around you. Four-letter words aren't, aren't good, and you don't need to be doing it as, as an ambassador of Christ either. But when you say, that just kills me, here's what happens, or, or, or I, I'm always having a problem every time I get ahead, then I get knocked back, all of a sudden what you're doing is you are literally calling heaven and earth to match what you say, and they will start matching what you say and your life. How good will your life be as a testimony to others if you're saying those things? And see, you think, a lot of times that my words are my words, and i got a right to say them or a right not to. But here's the thing. You, your life is not just your own. If you know anything about what Christ has done for you, you got to start seeing that my life is his. I don't have a right to make the decisions anymore. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is director, not me. But see, when we start thinking, well, I can say what I want. Say, I don't like that Pastor Brian told me that. And, you know, I just, I'll say what I want. How dare he tell me what to say? Because I'm a preacher and I'm a shepherd. And that's what I'm supposed to tell you. Because that's what the Word says. I'm not making this up. This is my job to tell you the difference makers. The things that make you a good disciple. And a good disciple will discipline themselves after the things of God, whether they like it or not. Proverbs 4, 20, what do we speak then? Because let me just say this, if you don't know what to speak, then it's better if you don't. Remember Job's friends we were talking about on Wednesday night? They did real good when they just shut up. When they started talking, they messed up. A lot of times we do a lot better. We would be more profitable for the kingdom if we just shut up then we would say something that's neutral or negative. We'd be better just to be quiet. That's a good place to start. 
just be quiet. I'm just all messing with y'all this morning, right? I'm just, it's a good thing to just be quiet. Just hush. Just, just don't say anything. That's a great place to start. Then what do I say? Well, let me clue you in. 420 says this, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. That's telling you, meditate on what God said. Not what the world said, what God said. Meditate on them. Think on them. Keep them in your sight. This is an important thing because a lot of times people think that they can just, everything that happens to them is all inward. You know, it's just, even when they pray, they just pray in their mind. This is, this is why you don't want to just pray in your mind. You are a spirit created to speak and create through speaking. And so when you pray, you need to pronounce, proclaim, decree a thing as an ambassador of God. A lot of times we think if we just meditate on the scripture and we never have to speak it, we never need to look at it with our eyes, and we, it says don't let it depart from your sight. In other words, if you can put it into your senses through your eyes, through your ears, by speaking it, that, that puts it into both places there with you. And you know, it puts it into your ears and it's, and it's going through your brain. If you can put it into your senses, do it that way. Meditate on it. You know, it's interesting because it's like this. Just because, you know, what do we, what do we meditate on and what do we say? Let me read this again. My son, give attention to my words. This is what it is. This is what we should be speaking. If we're not speaking his words, then we need to really consider just being quiet. Really consider. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from my sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. I just heard a testimony. I haven't read this book, but there was a book, I think, called 90 Minutes in Heaven. Piper, I believe. I haven't read that book, but I just heard a testimony about that where somebody, he said he, he died and went to heaven. And in that process, he said, you know, they were singing songs up there, but it was not the songs we had been singing at church. He said, and, and, and I'm going to apologize right now if you really, really like the old rugged cross. That's the example I heard. He said, they didn't sing the old rugged cross. They didn't sing that. Every song that they, while he was there in heaven, and again, I don't know the guy, but this lines up with what the scripture says. So he said every song they were singing was about the victory in the resurrection of Christ and the victory that we have through a victorious Christ. You see, you can sing and think and speak stuff that sounds religious, and that religion can be worthless because it's not focused on the heart of God. And that's a perfect example of that. God is victorious. When Jesus finished it, he finished it. And when he came up out of the grave, everything you needed for victory was done. In other words, if it's not life and life to the full until it overflows, God's probably not speaking it. Because watch what he says when you give attention to his words. In verse 22, he says, my words... 
the ones that you will incline your ear to, the ones that you will not let your sight depart from, the ones, the words of God that will, you will hold in the midst of your heart, here's what he says about them. Those words, they are life to those who find them, and they are health to all their body. A lot of people have sicknesses in their body constant and consistent and they don't, they don't heal quickly enough or they get it in the first place because they're just not spending time thinking about the words of God and meditating and putting it in, in them. And I'll say this, they're not speaking it. They're not speaking health. They're not speaking. What they're speaking is the curse. His words are life. What do you speak? You speak his words. You just speak his words. Well, in order to speak his word, you got to know him. If you don't know his heart, you don't know how much he loves you, it's going to be hard for you to line up your words with his word. you you got to move yourself into an intimate relationship with God and start to get to know him. In 1 John chapter 4, it says, Those that do not love do not know me, do not know God. We need this relationship, and we need to speak the word. Let's turn to the last place, Deuteronomy 28. This chapter is one of the most important chapters that you can really digest about the heart of God. And what we're reading it here for, this chapter is talking about the blessing of God and the curse. It's talking about the blessing and the curse. And what you'll see in here is that in Galatians chapter 3, we are redeemed from the curse as if it never happened. As if the curse never happened. So when you read the blessing, it will say, and right here in the first one, Now it shall be if you diligently obey the Lord. If you do it. All right? Now here's the thing. Is there anybody who's been diligent to obey the Lord all their life and never missed it? Not, not anybody in here that I know of, right? Including me. But there was one who did. His name was Jesus. He fulfilled every bit of this. And when he did that, he canceled the curse out of your life. So the great thing about this chapter is, if you read a blessing in here, it's already paid for through Jesus Christ. Because when Christ paid for it, he made you righteous. You are righteous in the eyes of God. You have a right to every blessing. You have a right to every blessing. And if there's a curse in there, I like reading the curses. You know why? Because I get to celebrate, ain't none of those mine. None of them's yours. Anybody that wants it, they can walk right out of all those curses simply by saying, Jesus, I'm yours. And they can walk into every blessing. You, you ought to be acquainted with these. It, it's good stuff. Right now, what we're going to do is we're just going to read over the blessings. And I want you to see some of the things. Get that fly, die. You're part of the curse. Go on. And... Uh, I want you to see the blessing of God that is already yours. In other words, these are things that you can set your eyes on. You can listen to, incline your ear to. You can keep these blessings in the midst of your heart. And you should absolutely be speaking and creating these. Lining your faith up with God by lining up your words on these blessings. Just listen to this. Now it shall be, if you diligently obey the Lord your God, 
Be careful to do all his commandments which I command you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. God will set you high. This is what God thinks about you. Right now, I'll set you high above the nations. I'll set you high above the people groups. I'll set you high up in there. I'll set you high. And see, when, when the devil comes into your life and he says, you ain't nothing. You, you messed up, you know, two minutes ago. You were thinking about the wrong thing. Weren't even paying attention to what the preacher was preaching. You're just a sorry sack of low life, nothing, nothing. You say, mm-mm, God has set me high. It's not something that I'm even waiting on him to do. He has set me high. By the blessings of God, I am set high above the nations of the earth in Jesus' name. You, these ought to be your words. I mean, this ought to come out of your mouth. You know, you don't have to, you know, announce yourself as that to all the people at the church every Sunday morning. But when you're at home and then the devil starts talking to you bad like you're a piece of junk, you need to know these and start saying no. This is who I am in Jesus' name. Now, some days, guess what? You don't feel like you're set high above all the nations of the earth. Some days you feel like you were trampled by all the nations of the earth. I feel low. I, I, I've been thinking low. I've been being told I'm low. Deuteronomy 28.1, but that ain't true. Lord, I declare right now today, you set me high above all the nations of the earth. I am set high above everything. All these blessings will come on you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. In other words, every blessing of God, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I'm not waiting on it to meet me. I'm not, I don't have to go in and just grab it. The blessing of God is overtaking me. It's overtaking me. I mean, it's running me down. It's hunting me down. This is a big thing. And seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. That's just a part of that blessing right there manifesting in your life. Just seek him first. You don't have to go and seek wealth. You don't have to go and seek all the stuff. You don't have to go seek you know, somebody to marry. You don't have to seek any of that. All you've got to do is seek God, his kingdom, and his righteousness. That's an act of faith. It's declaring in that action that the blessings overtake me. The blessings are overtaking you. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. In other words, no matter where I go, God calls me blessed. And by golly, I am blessed. I am blessed. I'm blessed. I have the favor of God on me everywhere I go. I mean, eventually people are going to start asking you, how's it always work out your way? That, that just don't seem right. And you just smile and say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It just works out my way. Now, you ain't got to go around telling them like Joseph, I'm blessed. You know, I got my coat of many colors. I'm just so blessed. Hey, did you all know that one day you're going to bow down to me? It, see, it don't even matter if that's true. You ain't got to tell them. That's pride. There's a difference. But anytime somebody goes, you're just blessed, you can just say, thank you, God. It's him. 
You know, when they came up to Jesus, they said, good teacher. He said, there ain't but one good, and that's the Father. He said, God is good. That's why if you ever tell me thank you, that's why you hear it come out of my mouth. Because if I did anything good to acquire your thanks, I do thank you for that. But God is good. The only reason I can do it is because of him. In other words, I'm blessed, and I have favor on my life, and you're blessed, and you have favor on your life, but God is good, and that's where it comes from, every bit of it. If it's good, it came from God, if it's really good. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. In other words, shouldn't you be expected to be blessed no matter where you drive to? I mean, anywhere you drive, you're going to find yourself in one place or the other, either the city or the country. Everywhere I go, blessings are with me. And you know what? They're overtaking me. These are good. These are good things to put on your lips. Good things. Because you will eat the fruit of your lips. You will eat the fruit of what you say. It's good stuff. Blessed shall your offspring, the offspring of your body, and the produce of your ground, and the offspring of your beasts, the increase of your herd, and the young of your flock. My kids are blessed. My business is blessed. My work is blessed. My work is blessed because I'm there. In Jesus' name, I come to bring a light to that place, and it's blessed because I'm there. I'm expecting the favor of God and the blessing of God to manifest because I'm there, and I'm in Him. I abide in Him, and He abides in me. These are good things to put on your mouth. See, here's the thing. I'm just reading through them today. I'm giving you a little bit of preaching on each one, but the thing is, you need to go through these. You need to read them, and you need to make them yours. They need to become revelation. They need to become rhema, life overflowing. These things need to be yours. What if, what if every time you read one of these verses and meditated on it, the blessing of your life would just amplify and multiply each time you read it and did it? That's literally what happens. The more that I line myself up with the Word of God, the more His blessing starts to manifest in my life. It's there for me the whole time. The thing is, I'm just removing the corruption out of me that will block it. I'm speaking these things. I'm saying these things. Blessed shall your basket, blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. I believe what this is talking about is that the blessing of God meets me in whatever I'm doing. Even when I'm like kneading bread, even when I'm doing something, man, it just goes right. It just goes easy. There's not a devourer there. It just goes well. Verse 6, blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. In other words, I don't walk into a situation and find a lack of blessing in the middle of it. Blessing is with me all the day, all the night. Blessing is with me when I come, when I go. Blessing is with me when I go in and when I go out. Blessing, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You're blessed. Verse 7, the Lord shall cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They will come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. In other words, they'll come out 
Uh, your enemies will try and come in and, and beat you up. And the Lord says, I'm going to scatter them. <laughs> I'm, ju I'm just going to scatter them. This means uh, not that you should be praying necessarily against your enemies, but you should be believing that you'll be delivered. In other words, you're not praying curses on your enemy. You're praying, you're thanking God because I'm delivered before the battle ever begins. Amen? Those people, they're made in the image of God too. And maybe if they see how they get scattered for coming against the wrong blessed person, maybe they'll just humble themselves just enough to receive Jesus for themselves and turn their way of doing stuff. You know, used to, when in the Old Testament, you just wipe somebody out. In the New Testament, there's a grace that wants to get mercy even to that person doing stuff really, really wrong. Verse 8, the Lord will command the blessing upon you in your barns and in all that you put your hand to. He will bless you in the land which your Lord, your God, gives you. God's blessing you. God's commanding the blessing. The Lord will establish you as a holy people or a separated people to himself. As he swore to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, so all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will be afraid of you. They'll be like, I don't want to mess with them. They're blessed by the Lord. How can I don't want to mess with them. In other words, he's stopping problems before they even get started for you. This is who you are. If you're a believer, this is who you are. Jesus has paid the, all the one places where it says, if you do this, if you do this, Jesus already did the if you did this. He's already accomplished that. He's made these things and put them in your hand. So it says, verse 11, Then the Lord will make you abound in prosperity. This is a blessing of God that has continued this whole time. Part of the reason why the devil fights it is he doesn't want you to know that you are considered blessed in prosperity, made to do well. In the offspring of your body and the offspring of your beasts and in the produce of your ground and the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. Verse 12, the Lord will open for you his good storehouse. Praise God, I just got something out of that right now myself. You know, the Lord has storehouses in heavens with everything that you'll ever need. It's all stored up. It's a storehouse of heaven. You need a body part. He's got storehouses of that stuff. He's got creative miracles waiting on you. You need provision in your business. He's got a storehouse. Praise God. God's got a storehouse. And this is what he just said to you. When you're blessed through Jesus Christ by his righteousness, he, he made a promise. God made you a promise. I will open my storehouses. Amen. Now, see right now, that when we get that, all of a sudden we'll go, well, all right then, God, open up your storehouse in Jesus' name and let it go. Let it flow in my life. God, the Lord will open for you a good, his good storehouse. It's not a bad storehouse. Some people think he's got a bad storehouse and that he just wants to pour out, you know, all kinds of curses on you and do all that kind of stuff. That's not the heart of God. Well, you know, things are going bad. I guess this is just the Lord teaching me something, you know, he, like he poured out of his bad storehouse. That ain't God. This is showing you the heart of God. No, no, no. He's got, he will pour out of you, out of his blessing, out of his good storehouse. The heavens 
to give rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Now, he's talking about you. You'll lend to many, but you shall not borrow. You shall not borrow. See, when we go into borrowing, unless it's a direct word of the Lord, let me just educate you on this. Unless you have a direct word from the Lord that says, go borrow like the widow where it said, go borrow many vessels. Unless you've got a direct word from God, we are not designed to borrow. That generally means that we have given up our faith in God doing it a supernatural way. And so we got to step over and do it a natural way. Now, Odds are every one of us in here, including me, has borrowed in the past. It's not getting on to you about that. It's I'm helping you to maintain confidence that God wants to get it to you a different way without you having to be a servant to the lender from this point forward. And so you can right now start to believe God. God, open up your storehouse of provision so that I am in no debt anymore. Lord, open up that. That I that debt that I have is canceled and wiped out. I just heard a testimony this week. I was there when the prophecy was given last year. Uh, Pastor Tracy at the conference I was at, he, he prophesied to this one couple. He said, that house is going to be paid off, right? I'm like, okay, I've heard that a lot of times. I want to see it, you know? I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I've heard that a bunch of times. And, and I believe that it's coming. Well, this, this particular one, guess what? It came this year. Same guy was there. He said, I was believing for it. He said, I wasn't really in faith, but the Lord really challenged me. Pick up my faith on that word that Pastor Tracy, he said, in other words, I needed to be intentional about that. They owed about 88000 I think, on their house, uh, what they had left. He said there was a guy back in March. He said, hey, can I get together with you? And, and the guy said, sure. And they talked, and he said, can I talk with you for a few more minutes after they were done, had lunch or something? He said, yeah. He pulled out an envelope. He said, I knew what it was. He poured out, pulled out an envelope. It was a check for $86,000. Paid off everything but $2,200 in what they owed. Everything. He said, the God, God has put this on my heart for the past few months. He said, he told me, he said, I've been thinking about it for several months. Here it is. And the Lord, you know, the Lord, the guy was like, oh, you know, praise God. And, uh, and he was, but he, he was also like, hey, you said you'd pay the whole thing off, God. <laughs> and I don't blame him. That's right kind of thinking because you know who your God is and God keeps his word. A few days later, he works at a plant. His boss called him into the office. He's like, mm, go to the office you know his boss called him into the office and said i want to give you a promotion here's what your promotion is you are going to now be the plant pastor literally that's his title plant pastor he got promoted to build the kingdom of god in his work and got an eight thousand dollar a year raise god has good storehouses we need to line up our faith with that kind of stuff you, we are to be, if you're going to be the lender and not the bar, you think that God's going to take from what you need to pay bills with? You know, let's say I need this much to pay bills, and so uh, I'm going to lend out of that money to pay bills? No, 
No, that's not the heart of God. The heart of God is this. You need this much pay bills and you're going to lend to somebody. He's, you're going to have to have abundance in God. God wants you to have abundance in your finances. When he called you the lender and not the borrower, he said, you're going to be operating in overflow. You're going to be operating in that uh, blessing that brings that abundance. You're blessed. Amen. That's good preaching, Pastor. Amen. That's good stuff. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's good. The Lord made you. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Verse 13. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you only will be above. Oh, my goodness. He will make you the head and not the tail. Amen. The tail's not wagging us anymore. We're the head. We're to, we are to be the ones in authority. And you, the government does See, that's the thing about Christianity. The government can set all the wrong laws they want to, like the stuff that Charlotte's trying to pass right now in their school system. It is sickening. The government can pass all that they want to. They don't wag me. They don't wag you. That's the one thing about Christianity. When we accept the authority of Christ, we are the head and not the tail. But see, we've got to line up our mouth with that. We've got to start speaking the will of God to be instead of going, Oh my gosh, do you know what they just passed in Charlotte? It's so awful. It's so terrible. Oh, what a world, what a world, what a world. <laughs> it's, that is not the way Christianity is supposed to work. Christians got to stand up in their authority as a body of believers and say, Uh-uh, nah, that don't go around here, law dog. That ain't, that ain't happening. No, no, that's not the way this works. In Jesus' name, let every person set against you be removed we are the head in jesus name we are the authority we're the church we're the ecclesia who sets this and in jesus name will of god be done on earth as it is in heaven amen the lord will make you the head and not the tail and you only will be above you only will be above you will not be underneath. When you start to feel underneath, you need to grab that scripture out and you say, mm -mm, I will only be above in Jesus' name. Matter of fact, I am above right now, no matter how I feel. That is who God has told me. That's what he said. I put it in my heart. I've kept it in my heart. I've looked at it. I've heard it. It's who I am. And I'm going to be a good ambassador that says I'm only above. I'm only above. I will not be underneath if you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I charge you today, and observe them carefully. And listen, I, wanna, I left this one in there. And do not turn aside from any of the words which I command you today, to the right or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. Now, I want you to see right there that he literally says, when I start listening to things other than what God has spoken, he equates them to other gods. 
They are idols in our life. When I start speaking and meditating on stuff that God's never told about me. When he starts telling you, when the devil starts telling you that you're nothing and you're not, you're not going to, you're going to be overlooked in your job. You're going to be overlooked. When he starts telling you they don't think good things about you, they hate you, they don't like you, they're conspiring against you, that is not what God said about you at all. He said that you would be the head and not the tail. When, when that starts happening, you start telling him what Scripture says because that's the truth. And you set your mouth on the truth and the words of life of God, all of a sudden you start changing the whole atmosphere that you live in and walk in, and things change in your life. Why? Because you were created in the image of God. You were made in his image and likeness. And when I start speaking and saying those things that God has said about me, those things have no choice but to come to pass because God has said, heaven, earth, testify to what he says. Heaven, earth, testify to what she just said. Heaven, earth, that believer has a right to create He's made in my image. That's my son. That's my daughter. That's my child. You better line up, heaven and earth. He's going to hold that heaven and earth accountable to line up with what you say. You create your world and the world of people attached to you and around you, your friends and family. You create that by the words that you say because you have authority. You are a child of God. He's made you right. And he has looked at you. He saw you when he wrote this. He had you in his mind and every other person. And he says, I say they're blessed. I say they're blessed. I say they're blessed. I say they're blessed. You're 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 the head and not the tail. You're the lender and not the bar. You're blessed going in. You're blessed coming out. You're blessed in the city. and You're blessed in the country. You're blessed. It's who you are. It's who you are. You're blessed. Father, we just thank you for your blessing. And we speak it. Say it with me. Say, I am blessed in Jesus' name. By his righteousness, I have a right to be blessed. And I receive the blessing of the Lord. Now, and I walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when you receive revelation like that, there is almost no better thing to do than to seal that thing and to say, yes, yes, I receive that. And so as we take communion today, let's go ahead and pass these out. As we take communion today, do what the Word says to do, and that is, it says to remember. To remember. That's good. You can just hold it for me. The word says to remember. Remember the body and the blood. Remember the price that he paid to call you blessed. This was a price that he paid to call you blessed forever. He called you blessed forever. Don't just remember the price. Remember the result of the price. The resurrection power that was l released in Jesus Christ to call you blessed in every circumstance, in every situation. And right now,
If you've been one and you've set your mouth on things that were not of God, you said things that were not of God, then you right now can just say, look, Lord, I ask you to forgive me. Let's all just say that. Say, Father, Father, we just ask you to forgive us for speaking wrong things, things. idle things, things things not of you and not of your heart. And Lord, we receive the manifestation of your heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. The word says if you confess your sins, he is faithful. He is so faithful. He's faithful to forgive you of every one of those things. He is faithful and just to separate those things from you, to separate those sins. So right now, by faith, just receive the separation of what you did wrong and you. That is separated. He has set it apart never to go together again. And in Jesus' name, you are blessed. Father, we receive today the body that you broke. You broke your body so that my body didn't have to be broke. You shed your blood so that I wouldn't have to shed mine. Lord, you took on lack. For for our sake, you were made poor so that we might be prosperous. Beloved, above all things, I wish that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Lord, we receive your blessing. We are blessed We are the head and not the tail. And it's through your blood and your body. And Lord, we're blessed for a purpose, though. We're blessed for a purpose. One, because you love us. But two, we're blessed so that we can pass on that blessing to the rest of the world that doesn't know you. To be your witnesses for Jesus. Lord, we remember that. We see that. And then we operate from this point forward. Own that in Jesus' name. We remember your price that you of your body. We remember the price of your blood. And we esteem it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can take the body and the blood. Lord, we seal our words today. We remember and we consider things that we've done in the past that were wrong and we allow them to be separated by faith as we receive forgiveness. But Lord, we also remember what we need to do in the future. We consider that and we do those things like speaking your word and your word only. Lord, we are your ambassadors created to speak and create as a spirit of God, and we will create, make the choice of speaking your words and your words only from this point forward. We make that choice, and Lord, may your will be done on earth because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great day. I love you.